everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer, and this episode we've got two amazing interviews for you. The first is going to be with the director of the new Leatherface, named Leatherface is the name of the movie as well, uh, Julian Mari. And uh, following that, we're going to have the lovely Pollyanna McIntosh from The Walking Dead as uh, the newest season uh, premiere happens this weekend on Sunday night, the 22nd. Wow, this month's flying by. Uh, the 100th episode of the show is going to air, and uh, Pollyanna McIntosh joined us to discuss her character, Jadis, and uh, the new season. Yes, she's coming back, and uh, there's going to be some interesting things ahead, and uh, it was a fantastic time to talk with her. Also fantastic to talk to Julian about the newest um entry into the Leatherface canon and it's a good film uh did a it uh, premiered interestingly enough on DirecTV um video on demand and uh actually hit VOD and limited theatrical release this weekend so check out Leatherface if you can um if you can find it uh in your local theater you're lucky um and uh check it out I believe it's still on DirecTV viewing and uh other VOD as well. Uh, so before we get into those though, uh, it is the Halloween season and uh, I wanted to, that's interestingly enough, I wanted to talk about um, uh, legends and folklore and things like that because I have been mainlining the the podcast lore. I've almost caught up to it, uh, every one that has played, and they're fantastic. Aaron Menke did an amazing job with this uh bringing these to life. I love his renditions and reading um, of, of the stories. So if you haven't listened to Lore, go do that. And also, if you have Amazon streaming, check out the Lore TV series, which is uh, being done with Gail Ann Hurd. And uh, I can't remember the name of the producer from the X-Files, but it's definitely got some pedigree. And in the first few episodes alone, in the first season, you've got um, Robert Patrick... Uh, Campbell Scott, uh, just a ton of actors that you'll recognize. Uh, Kristen Bauer Van Straten, I think that's how you say her last name. Uh, but Pam, she's always going to be Pam from True Blood, is also in it. Um, all true tales that are beyond belief, but sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. And in this case, uh, there's some amazing stuff in the show and, and uh, things that I didn't realize or have heard about, but also uh, some of my favorite stories in um, folklore are, are covered. And there's some really great stuff. It's it's reenactment. It's uh, f- real footage, um, artwork, animation, just some really cool stuff. And I got a chance to talk with Aaron Menke, which you can read that interview on horrorhound.com. Um, but I really, really love lore and I love folklore and I grew up loving folklore. So where this is all leading is um, I actually asked um, uh, listeners to uh, if they had any questions for me um, for this episode that uh, they'd like to hear an answer or hear me babble on about and Justin Hamlin Hamlin, um, asked the question what is an urban legend you love that deserves the movie treatment and I've actually been thinking a lot about um, as I said 
folklore and myths and legends and things like that thanks to lore and, and just listening to it constantly it's just what happens when you do that and um, there are actually two uh, they've actually had films made, but I'm talking about wanting to do something, a good movie. <laughs> um, there's two that are really interesting to me. And one is the the suicide forest in Japan. Um, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this. It's Aokigahara um, in, in Japan. And it's on Mount Fuji or near Mount Fuji. And you can look this up online. Um, a lot of things have been written about it. Um, I actually have buried somewhere a treatment for a movie that I'd love to have made off of this. Um, unfortunately, you had there was actually two movies. Neither one of them did very well at all that were done um, just recently. And one was called The Forest, uh, which tanked hard. And then there was another one that I can't even remember the name of, but had Matthew McConaughey in it. Um, and, uh, but I think that this is just an interesting, tragic, sad, oddly beautiful thing and uh, that people go to this forest and they can't even keep track of all the bodies and things that are in there. So if you walk through this, it's actually a national park, um, there. If you go through the park, you will find bodies hanging from trees, you'll find bodies that have become part of the forest because they've meshed into the trees it's terrifying and yet at the same time it's oddly beautiful that uh in, in, in a weird twisted way and i have problems i guess but i i um if you've not heard about this go online there's tons of photos and things just be prepared that they are kind of gory because and it's real and it's human corpses but it's just one of those places it's kind of like the golden gate bridge where people just are drawn to this place and to to take their lives um to end their lives there it's it's called the sea of trees and uh it's really fascinating there's a, a video that someone shot of uh this poor guy because if if you work this like i said it's a national park and if you work there it actually you're doing a, a few different jobs not just being a park ranger because you are also kind of a psychiatrist and and uh with some of these people that you 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 learn to see the signs of of that someone has shown up there and and uh, is going to take their own life um and commit suicide in the forest you find them before they do it you talk, try to talk them out of it you try to get them to leave you pretty much know it's going to be a lost cause, but you try and you see the signs you find the this video was just amazing because this poor guy's he's, he's very very nice sweet hearted um guy that works there, and he's showing cars in this parking lot and runs his fingers along and says, "See how much dust is you know accumulated here. This person's not coming back for this car so it's 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 a fascinating and sad um, uh, history for this place, and I, I I would love to see something done with that that isn't uh, jump scares and uh, whatever that Makai movie was. Um, there's the other one that I would be really interested 
to to see something maybe even a documentary and there may be one that i've not heard of which is the Dietolv pass incident um, and that happened uh, back in the 1950s uh, late 1950s i think 1959 was the actual year um, but it's this it's a mystery and no one has ever solved it and it's one of those cases that you think um, could be a good case for there being a thing such as the Yeti or Bigfoot or something like that. Um, and what happened was there was a group of hikers and skiers that went to this place in, um, that took, it's in um, the Soviet Union. And they went there uh, to hike and camp and they were found... Um, I can't remember how long, um, but they were found later. And it's their their discoveries. They, there's photos and everything of this. Um, they were found with one, I believe, had their eyes missing. One had their tongue ripped out. Their the state of dress and everything that they were discovered in made no sense. Um, how they were discovered made no sense their injuries and and what caused their deaths were just insane um like their bodies were some of them their their chest cavities were crushed kind of a thing where they there's no way um a human could have done that to them and there's also no evidence of what kind of animal could have ever done that and it's a terror it's one of those scary tales and they, no one has ever been able to explain it no one has ever been able to um find an answer to what happened to them and and the the part that's really terrifying about this is it's, it's relatively new it's not uh 200 300 years old this happened in 1959 not 1759 so they really could have, you know, done some research on what happened, and they still can't answer this. Um, and so it's, and funnily enough, also, uh, Lore did a great episode about this, a really creepy, beautifully produced episode of this story. <clears throat> so those are two that I really uh, am fascinated by. The Dial Tov, um, there was a film based on it, which was also... I think a Yeti movie, um, but there's, you know, they, there's really no, uh, they don't have an explanation. They, there's legends around that area that, um, they were talking about as well, but it's one of those things. It's, it's no one can explain what happened. And I think that that is a, I would love to see a documentary about, that and see more information on it and I believe there's there's probably has to be a couple out there at least one out there about it um so that those are two that I'm really fascinated in and Justin so if you um are interested go out and uh, there's all kinds of uh, websites and uh there's a wikipedia entry um uh, about the dial tov pass incident um, and also in regards to the suicide forest, you can find all kinds of information out there about that as well. Um, and as I said, the, I believe it was Vice did a video about it. Um, they do all, Vice is notorious for doing weird shit like that. Um, but yeah, so 
with that, um, really quickly, I uh, just have to give a couple shout-outs in regards to TV this week. Um, I thought Gotham, I, I am so ecstatic to see Solomon Grundy. I hope they do a little bit more with him than make him comic relief. Um, I think he looks great. I was a little iffy on the look at first um, because of the one image that they released, but I think he looks good. I think there's a, I, I never thought I'd see a live action Solomon Grundy, which makes me happy. Um, and I liked Butch, so seeing him come back was great. Uh, Riverdale, if you're not watching it this season, is somebody's been watching some Zodiac Killer stuff because Riverdale has a serial killer now, which is not a, a thing you would expect an Archie and Jughead comic to have, but there you go. Uh, it's great this season so far. I think there's only been a couple of episodes, but um, Veronica's dad is back, and uh, it's it's really good. Um, we already know that uh, Josie, or not Josie, but um, Sabrina is going to be showing up this season, so I'm hoping for some Afterlife with Archie stuff where we have um, the zombies or something to that effect happening. Um, uh, so yay, uh, Skeet Ulrichard showed back up as, uh, FP. Um, so, uh, yeah, good stuff this season already on Riverdale. Um, and, oh, back to Gotham really quickly. Very disappointed <laughs> if, if he's gone forever. I'm very sad, but, uh, Ray Shao Ghoul, uh, R.I.P., um, I love Sadig Alphadil's, um, or Alexander Sadig. Sorry, I went old school with his name because he changed it. Um, but I love him as Raish, Raish, however you say it, Al Ghul. Um, and uh, I think he may be gone, but on this show, being dead doesn't mean you're dead, as is evident by Solomon Grundy. But um, I really thought he did a fantastic job in it, and I loved watching him um, in, in Gotham. So, yay! for that. Gotham so far this season has been super good. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't tank as it sometimes, as not sometimes, it always does, but I'll keep my hopes up for right now. But with that, uh, let's go to our interview segments for this week. Um, I hope you guys really enjoy it. I really had a great time talking to both of these people. Um, so first up, we're going to have Julianne Mari, who is one of two directors of the Leatherface movie. And then after that, we will have Pollyanna McIntosh from The Walking Dead. So um, I will hopefully have another episode for you next week because I have a couple more great interviews. And one of them is with friend of the show, Alexander Phillip, who has a new doc a new documentary um, about the shower scene from Psycho, which I got to watch. And it was fan fantastic um and you really should check it out it is going to be on uh vod and on demand i believe soon and uh one second and i will get the information for you on that uh whoop, here we go 7852 and i believe it is going to be um i think it is going to be on vod uh in at some point very soon. It's doing a limited theatrical release and 7852 is the number of cuts and seconds that the, the uh, shower scene in Psycho had. And I think he, they're onto something here with it being one of the 
pentacles uh, and most important scenes ever shot for film because everybody knows the shower scene from Psycho. So that will be next week, and, and that uh, documentary, man, so many good people, Guillermo del Toro, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Danny Elfman, all kinds of amazing people, and probably one of my favorite parts was the part with Elijah Wood, which I talk about in the interview. So you will have that next week, just in time for Halloween. Um, but with that, let's get to our segments this week with uh, Julian Mari and the lovely Pollyanna McIntosh. And we will um, catch you on the flip side. Stay tuned. Here come our interviews. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. I want to welcome Julian Mori, and I hope I, sp I pronounced that correctly, um, the, one of the directors of Leatherface, which is coming out on VOD October 20th and in uh, limited release in theaters. I am very, very excited. I got to see the film. It is great. It's a great entry into the franchise. And Julian, welcome to Fangirl Radio. Thank you so much. Your pronunciation is perfect. Yay! I'm so happy because usually <laughs> I butcher everything. <laughs> well, I've got a lot of questions for you, and I actually have some fan questions as well because I know a lot of uh, Texas Chainsaw junkies. Um, but first, my uh, first question is, was there ever any doubt um, and going into this and, and going back into the history of Leatherface, like digging into that, that um, the past of the character, was there, was there hesitation in going there or um, uh, at all? And, and what was that process like? Um, yeah, of course, there are always some hesitation because, um, because uh, you have, when you, when you deal with such a legendary, um, you know, boogeyman. You, of course, have a lot of pressure on your shoulders, and um, and especially if you talk about origin. Um, and um, honestly, what hooked us in this scenario, in this script, uh, with Alex, is that the, um, you know, it was it wasn't explaining everything. You know, explaining uh, you know why um, Jay Jed has become Leatherface. And um, and uh, it was just um, a small part of his youth, you know. It's just a moment in his life, and it's not giving all the keys of understanding to the audience. And this is something that we like. Um, when we, you know, the at the end of Leatherface, the character of of, of, of Leatherface is um, is not uh, the same at all. Uh, as the character as we we all know, you know, from from the original movie, and um, and so it still has, you know, a long, you know, uh, you know, uh, a long way to uh, to you know to, to, to go to become this uh, the the, the, the gelid, you know the legendary monster, and um, and and so yeah, because we we you know if if everything was explained, maybe we wouldn't have accepted. You know, we we would we we have loved to uh, to leave some blank blank spaces to the audience to imagine. You know, got it. And so one thing that I I uh, you know we we lost Toby Hooper not too long ago, which was a you know very sad. And I know that he was an executive producer on this film. Was there 
any, what kind of uh, addition did Toby bring to this and uh, as it progressed in also was there already a history kind of built within his mind and within uh, the, the history already for the character? Um, you know, he, he passed away the, the day um, before, the day after the first screening. Um, the, 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 the day after the, the world premiere, and uh, it okay. was, you know, really devastating for for Alex and I, um, especially uh, because we've never met him. Um, he's uh, he's uh, mentioned uh, in the credits as an executive producer, but I think it's just you know it's just contractual and um, and um, this is something that was very disappointing for us because when we accepted um, to that to direct this movie, um, we of course had in mind um, the you know that, that that we were going to to meet him or, or at least to talk to him to um, to hear his, uh, his, his vision on on the saga and the, the episodes that have been directed after episode episode two and and to uh, just to um, yeah to have uh, his uh, his feedback on, on what we we were going to do and um, and even some some advices or he, he is something that we really admire and um, and it was um, yeah it. I I don't think you know he, he has seen the even seen the result you know. Oh, that's sad. That's sad. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So, kind of going into the because I I really loved the film I enjoyed it a, a lot and I thought that some of the casting was amazing um, and I'm curious because you have um, you have a group of, of psychopaths or or psych psych um, psych ward escapees in this film and you have you know you're kind of you're you're the crazy the two really crazy ones that I'll go into in a little bit and then you have um, a baby-faced kind of sweetheart and and um, the the lumbering kind of big guy and that are, are running around with this poor nurse and I was curious about Sam Strike and what it was like to, to cast his character because uh, he's he's very sweet and very nice, but you also have to have a character. He's got problems. You already know he's got problems because he's in this psychiatry ward. And um, I, I I thought his casting was great. Uh, can you talk about casting him and, and uh, the other um, uh, characters in the movie? Yeah, um, Sam Strike was um, was uh, really intense since. The first, uh, the first audition, the first casting. Um, honestly, we had, um, you know, we we had a crush on him uh, <laughs> as soon as we saw him on video. You know, we, I don't know if it's correct you know, <laughs> to say that, but uh, uh, it's okay. I kind of have a crush on him too. It's all good. <laughs> it, it's nothing to do with a love crush. You know what I mean? It's an artistic crush. <laughs> and um, but. <laughs> And uh, it was an artistic uh, love at first sight, <laughs> and um, we, we, uh, no, it, it was, um, it was really uh, fabulous, you know. We uh, because we, he had this intensity, and at the same time, he really, 
gave the impression of being um, fragile. And this was exactly for us what we wanted to, um, you know, to give to the audience with this uh, through this character. And um, and um, he's um, really gifted and a really hard worker. You know what I mean? He was really focused every day on 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 what he had to play, and uh, he was always questioning himself and. Um, and um, you know, sometimes he was knocking at my door, my, my hotel, uh, my hotel door, my hotel room, at the you know uh, at night, and say, Julian, can I talk to you? I have had an idea for tomorrow. Maybe I could, you know, I could do, do that and this, and you know, it, it, it was really really cool to work with 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 Sam, and um, and I think we with this type of actors, it's really cool for a director because. Because you can uh, experiment things, you know what I mean. You you can you can try different ways, and um, you know to and he's always proposing stuff. You know, like uh, he's um, he's really into it. You know what I mean. It's not just you know he's not just doing his job. He's really living it. And uh, and honestly, we were really lucky because all the rest of the cast, all the young actors, they were all the, all you know all on the same. You know the same energy. They were all very patient because sometimes it can it can be really long to have you know the practical special effects and um, and um, and they were all you know highly motivated and um, you know with Alex we always try to um, to obtain you know um, we know what we want and um, but we are not like um, you know. Um, uh, crazy directors, you know, like uh, uh, being, you know, being dictators, or you know, we uh, we always are open-minded to um, to what the actors feel about their character and what they can bring from them, their own experience, and and so so here we we uh, we you know they were they were all very into it and. And of course, I'm not mentioning the the most known characters, like the the actors. I mean, like Lily Taylor and Stephen Dorff. And um, but they were, you know, they were really really great. And and I think they they had fun, you know, because I think playing these kind of characters is fun. Well, and I I love Lily Taylor, and I thought she she always just brings great intensity to what she does. And I was gonna I was gonna mention her because her as the mother was just fantastic casting and I thought that was great and Stephen Dorff is just is just crazy in this and I loved it <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun yeah yeah it was it was impressive <laughs> on set so, and um, Lily Lily as well Lily, Lily she's a sweetheart oh she's she perfect. I hope she is because she can play mean really well so <laughs> No, yeah, but you know, we, we, I, I don't know, I don't know what kind of problem we are, we, we have with Alex, with, uh, with our own mother, or because <laughs> I realized that, I realized that in, in almost every of our movies, you have a, a figure, you know, like a, a dark, twisted uh, mother figure, and. Um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that until you said that, and that's kind of kind of uh, disturbing now. 
There's one in particular that kind of goes on um, with two of the characters, or should I say three of the characters, I guess. Was there any pushback on, you know the one I'm talking about, is there any pushback that you had on some of this um, in terms of making it, or was it pretty much you guys can do what you wanted? Because I, I, I thought it was great that you 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 kind of didn't have any barriers, and, and by the way, that the asylum scene was just fabulous. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> um, now we uh, honestly, uh, during all the, you know, all the prep and all the shooting, we were we really had free end, and um, we couldn't we we could we could um, we, we had the opportunity to um, to do uh, things the way we wanted to do and. Um, and uh, honestly, some sequences, uh, we were convinced that uh, it would be cut by the censorship. Um, you know, like, like in the trailer, the, 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 the end of the sex sequence. And, um, and, uh, and so, uh, yeah, we, it's, um, it's, you know, it's uh, during the post-production that, as usual, you have to do some compromise. And uh, you have to, you know, to um, to cut to cut some stuff, and to but that, that, that's totally usual. And um, but um, but yeah, I think uh, we we have been able to bring some of our, you know, some of our ideas, you know, from our twisted French mind. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, like what a nice way to put it. And this kind of stuff now. I think I really definitely go to see the shrink, huh? You might there might be some issues. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I won't I won't comment. There may be some problems. Um, so I, I know I don't have I'm calling from a prison right now. <laughs> that explains it. That explains where the number came from. No, so I, I know I don't have you for very much longer, but I, I wanted to get to uh, some fan questions that we had and that were submitted to us. Um, the first one's from Paul Cornelius, and he asked, "What is your favorite Chainsaw sequel?" Huh. Um, I know that um, um, Alex uh, is, uh, is really in love with um, the the second Texas Chainsaw, um, but that's not my favorite, and um, and. Um, Honestly, I would say um, maybe the Marcus Nispel's remake because uh, it was really, really tricky to do a remake you know, of the original, and um, and at that you know at that time I thought he really went you know he really went well and um, yeah maybe I would choose the, the Marcus Nispel. 
Okay, and uh, I thought that was pretty too. It was a pretty movie, um, which is an odd thing to say uh, about a chainsaw movie, but it was pretty. Um, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> just just got, like this got, one, it was. We got one more question. Oh, you got it. Um, and, and kind of going along that, I liked how your film had that sepia overtone to it too, kind of. It, it seemed like there was a lot of that to this, and I thought that was beautifully shot. So um, our last question is from uh, Chad Ecto-Young, and he said, I'm very curious how difficult it was to put your own take on a series as a yet, um, you know, and yet maintain respect to the rest of the series. So taking this and uh, bringing your own, um, your own uh, take on a franchise. Um, honestly, it's, um, we, we've tried to, um, we've tried not, to, uh, not to do some fan service and, um, and, uh, the, the, the script helped us a lot, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, um, uh, the, the fact that it's not the same, uh, narrative structure as all the, the other seven sequels. And or prequels that already have been made, and um, you know it's always the same. It's always the same structure. It's always a bunch of kids getting lost on the the lens of the the, the degenerated family, and um, and being killed. And um, and here it was much more close to a red movie. So you know since the, the script it was kind of different from from the rest of the saga, and um, and. Uh, for having our take on it, I think it's something really natural. You know, when we when we read the script the first time, we were, you know, adding ideas everywhere, like how we could do this, like that, and like that. And um, it's just, you know, instinctive. That's really not something that we have, you know, had a, uh, uh, you know, to think about it and say, hmm, how we could be very original and different and that. Uh, so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Hi, Pollyanna. How are hello, you? Hello, hello. Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. It's so nice to talk to you again. Nice to talk to you, too. <laughs> so, um, I know I don't have you for very long, so let me get to it. Where, um <laughs> So, where are the, uh, where is Jadis and the scavenger, where are they at right now? Um, I saw the, fr uh, the 100th episode. And I, oh, you did great! I, I did, and I'm curious where where they are because they're not there. And where they are, and why is Rick not going and punching them in the face? Exactly. <laughs> He's got something else to handle, I think, right now. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's safe to say that Negan was pulling some of these strings, and uh, and yeah, they're 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 after. You know, they want to get that dealt with. So, so she she and her people have left that fight. Obviously, you saw them running out under smoke bombs um, at the end of season seven. And she has to regroup and figure out her next move. So, um, that goes up there, sorry. Um, <laughs> figure out her next move. So, uh, yeah, have they gone back to the heaps? Do they dare? That Everybody knows that they're there, you know? Exactly. Do they dare go back to the heaps? Or, uh, you know, where are they? I, uh, I can't tell you. 
David? But you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> so my, I'm curious, were you surprised and what did you think when you read that you were going to be betraying Rick? Oh, my God. I was so bummed. <laughs> I was so bummed for the story because, you know, because I love those guys and like the other fans, I've been, you know, I've been rooting for them this whole time. And now I've got to go in on some level, and obviously not me, but her, and I've got to go and screw things up for them. Oh, I was really bummed. Uh, but then I thought, well, what fun this is going to be. Um, and then I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to shoot Rick. I'm going to get killed. Um, and then I thought, oh, sod it, that'll be fun, too. Because let's see, you know, let's see what happens. Um, and amazingly, you know, nobody actually died. So the fans have been kind of fine. I mean, they've been calling me all sorts of names, but I think they've been secretly enjoying the fact that they've got somebody else to get mad at. Like, I enjoy hating Negan, so I hope they enjoy hating Jadis. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, and one of the things that I find interesting is this is really one of the first bad guy females in the show. How, yeah. how is that to play and, and be the first real villainess of, of The Walking Dead? Oh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. I mean, I love the fact that they were, that they were, when they were casting this role, they were casting around for either a guy or a woman, you know, they were, they were going to go either gender depending on the right actor. So that gave me a great sense before I even, you know, became attached that these guys think outside of the box. And, um, and that was a great comfort to me. Uh, cause you know, you want to work with those kinds of people. So that was a really cool, cool idea. Um, and I'm just really glad it was a woman, and I'm really glad that it's me because I'm having a lot of fun with her. And yeah, being a bad guy or bad gal, um, it's a lot. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> well, it's kind of it, it's kind of you know this show has been very amazing when it comes to showing women as survivors and badasses. You know, you've got yeah. you've got um, you know Carol and you've got Andrea and and Michonne and and now you know Jadis is there and it's just really great to see. It's an equal. It seems like the women are more of the badasses than the guys in this show, which is great. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree with you. I dig it so much, and the great thing is that they don't they don't do it where they're congratulating themselves for it. You know, all these characters are equal until you know when they 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 fail, they they succeed, they you know they win, they lose, they fight, um, and that's what's what's so great about it is that is that we're all after the same thing in our own way, and I think that's what makes it really fun to watch and really fun as a woman to just go, yeah, well, why not? Because you know, you know, if the apocalypse. If the apocalypse came, we'd be kicking serious ass. I mean, we're survivors, for sure. Exactly. So one thing I wanted, I was always curious about, especially with this character, because uh, it's a unique character. I don't believe she was in the comics. Was did you create? That's right. And and there's only a couple of those really in, in the entire show. Did, did you create a history for her in your head, and what was that to help create? I create. I have somewhat of the truth of her history from Scott Gimple, our creator, um, our showrunner. And uh, so I have a lot of, uh, I have a, well, I, not a lot, but I have a little more information than, than, than the rest of the audience has right now. Um, so that was helpful. But going in on it, I really, you know, reading those first two pages in the audition even, I thought, well, I know this world now and I know, I know what she's probably been through. And I know what she's probably lost. And really that's, that's all that I needed to know about her 
um, going in on the audition because the weight of that, I, you know, different people handle it different ways, and I could see that she was handling it in a way that was was a very strong survival tactic, um, and that she created this this vast community. And that, so I, I knew that she was strong, and I also knew that she had fun with people, um, and that she felt herself to be a bit of a queen, and she enjoyed that, and she used it to her advantage when dealing with this rugged-looking man, wondering if you know he really thought he was. If he had a realistic or unrealistic sense of himself, himself, and who, you know, taking the measure of him. So when you've got something active like that to do, and you know a little bit about the world you're in, it wasn't so hard not to know her actual, you know, normal life history before the apocalypse came along, because I could see how she was making do in the apocalypse, and that and um, that informed me a lot. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, totally. No, and it makes yeah, me want to know what you know now. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet, and there's a lot more that I want to know that I don't know. So there's also things I'm I'm dying to know. But um, but I, I give a lot of respect to the way that they do this show. You know, it's a very different way to work for me, not knowing. But I've I've watched you know I've watched seven seasons and it's worked so far. So I, I, I hand over hand it over to you know Scott and the rest of the um. The production and writing team, and, and I just say, okay, I'll find out what I need to know when, when you tell me. For now, we'll let's play the moment and let's be in it. It's, it's a lot of fun, and there's actually a great freedom in that too. Well, and you can and help. Um, do you get to like contribute ideas to her character at all um, as you're working? Because it seems like a lot. You know, they this this group seems really open to allowing the actors to. Uh, give more and, and create things like I know Andrew does a lot of, of uh, uh, you know, gives a lot to the character of Rick, and, and they allow that as it's yeah. going. Yeah, I mean, I, so far, you know, I found little moments to kind of play with physically and stuff, and uh, and uh, to, to have my take on what you know what might be going on with her work that's not necessarily written, um, but. As far as the dialogue is concerned, I haven't had any, felt any need to mess with that at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like I watch Andy work and I see that he, he knows how it's best to be shot and all sorts. It's not that he's there commanding, you know, he's letting people do their, their jobs on set, but he'll sometimes just go, hey, would it be, wouldn't it be cool if we did this and the door's closed at this point and the shot was like this? And they go, yeah, it would be. And he's like, great, let's try one like that. And I really respect that and love, love seeing that happen because it comes out of a huge investment in the character and a huge investment in the show and the, the, the fans' experience of the show. And it's definitely a way that I like to work. But, you know, I'm one of 20 season regulars. I'm the new girl. I'm not about to... I'm, I, and I don't have any reason to kind of say, hey, let's give Jadis a pet monkey or something. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> you know? that I mean, I awesome. just... Every, <laughs> actually be awesome. I don't know why I hadn't thought of this before. Um, but <laughs> it would be super cool. Um, but, uh, gosh, I'm so obsessed with this monkey idea now. Maybe I am going to go to this and talk about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I haven't had any, you know, every script that comes through is another surprise and another excitement. And I couldn't write it. I couldn't write it any better than they're giving me. I mean, it's a joy. Delight. That's fantastic. So, um, what kind of hopping off of that, keeping the spoilers at bay, like, how difficult is it? Because, like you said, you know, you, they kind of keep you in the dark on a lot of things because it's almost like the, the Star Wars level of secrecy. And yeah. how hard is that as an actor? Because I've, I've asked people in the past, 
how does it affect your ability to kind of get into the character and 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 plan what they're you know ahead because you really can't in terms of of how they're going to react. You really can't. Yeah, it's like it's like a it's like I'm it's yeah you know when you're when you're growing up when you're growing as a person you are trying to let go of more and more things and you're trying to recognize what where your control is and where it isn't um, and you're trying to find peace and confidence and comfort in yourself. Um, maybe I'm just, you know, I can only speak for myself, but I think that's the process growing up for me. Um, I have to be at peace with not knowing. And it's another little lovely challenge of growing up. Like, I, I let it go, man. It's, it's not the way I'm used to working. It was, there was some resistance in me at first in not knowing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've got used to it now. I've got used to it because each, like I say, each script... I think I want to ask so many questions and I do and I, you know, I get told what I get told and if I'm not going to find out, well, I've got, I've still got all the tools I need to make it work. So yeah, it's just, a, it's just another little life lesson of letting go. It's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. So um, one question I have for you, especially after the, the, the finale is, mm. are you wanting to, are you really wanting to throw down with Michonne, uh, you know, like a fight? Because I think everybody would squeal like crazy if they found out that was going to happen or, or you know. Yeah, I don't think Jadis needs to fight Michonne. I mean, you know, she's not, this isn't a bitch fight over a man. And that's one of the things I really love about that scene that I assume you're referring to. Like, you know, Jadis and her crew wanted to beat these guys in that fight because that was the way they were going to get the best deal out of Negan. Right. But I don't think that she's. I don't think she's going to be disappointed that Michonne's alive. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think. She, I don't think she has any hatred or any any sort of you know carnal desire to see people suffer. Um, I think she just she just does what she has to do for her people. You know, and if, if Michonne were to turn around and say say uh, you know I'll help you out, she'd be like, great, uh, well let's make a deal. You know, <laughs> uh, so she's there's definitely no there's no love lost between them. And there, there never was love. You know, she just has. She just has an understanding of who the woman is, and she has a respect for her. Um, but if it came to it, I mean, yes, she would. She would be. She would have to take her out if it came to it. You know. Okay. It's a, she's a great character because she's so interesting. You don't. She doesn't give a lot of herself in terms of. She's got a good poker face, and I like that about her. Yeah. That's yeah, that's what's too. so great about her. One thing I had to ask though is now that she threw in with Negan. I know you kind of probably can't say, but do you have, have, have you had any uh, scenes with Jeffrey or as Negan or, or have you two actually talked on set? Well, I can only talk about the scene, scenes that the audience have seen. And that's, you know, that's the, the season finale. Obviously, I was playing with him. Um, he's a really, he's a really fun guy to be on set with. I'm, I also got to stand on the top of that guard tower and watch him do a, you know, one of his five-hour monologues. Um, <laughs> I got to see, I got to watch the clean version and I got to watch the the fucky version. Oh, um, nice. And it's all very impressive because he always does a take where he does it, he inserts as many fucks as he wants, and then he does <laughs> in a take for you know because we're I think we're only allowed two fucks a season or two fucks an episode. I'm not sure. I'll get it wrong, but. There's definitely a fuck quotient that I've just learned about. Yeah, we, we just, uh, I think everybody low, learned about it. <laughs> and it's, I think it's two mm. a season, and that's it. <laughs> two a season. There you go, two a season. So when a journalist told me that, I said, well, I might try and take one from him. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun? 
if Jay just said nothing but just fuck once, I think that would be fun. Um, but yeah, Jeff, Jeffrey's a huge to work with, and uh, and uh, he's. I don't know. I like him, man. I, I was afraid that I was going to be afraid of him, if I'm honest, because I watched him as Negan, and boy, did he scare me. So I thought I was going to get close to that that mouth and jaw of his, and I was going to feel scared. But actually, when I was when I was jaded with him, I just felt a slight repulsion. And uh, <laughs> and again, you know, I've taken the measure of him a while back, so I know who he is. And then as uh, as the actor, as myself. I was just really glad he was so nice, you know? He was cool, and uh, you can have fun with him. So I've not been disappointed with any of the cast. They've all been a real pleasure. It's one of the nicest casts. I've, I've interviewed probably, I think, everybody from the cast at this point, and they're all nice people and, and fantastic and very much a family, which is great. Mm-hmm. I think that's a testament to the show's um, producers, and I think that's a testament to... The casting directors, um, Bialy Thomas, who cast the show, um, and also, of course, the Atlanta uh, casting folk as well. So I'm not familiar with them. But it's also a very lucky feeling because, you know, being in this position, it, it can make people a bit strange. And, and everyone's quite realistic and, and quite quite cool, you know. They're, they're quite themselves. Um, it's, uh, and all different, you know, all really different personalities. And like you say, it's a family, and we're all very much who we are, you know, around each other. And that happens very quickly and so there's no second guessing with anybody and and that's a great thing that that's really that's really a great thing I mean I always have a good time on set and I always work you know generally speaking I work with nice people um but generally there's 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 one person every two gigs that you think oh god you know (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to spend any more time because it's a, it's, an, it's a business full of insecurity and it's a business full of competition and it's a business full of, you know, you're up one day and you're down the next. Um, so it's not easy to remain, to find such a large group of extremely successful actors who are all so, like you say, so especially nice. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's hard to talk about this stuff without sounding like my namesake, but the truth is I'm very, very happy and I'm very, very lucky and everyone's lovely and the world is delightful in, this, in, the, in The Walking Dead. So, and and they truly are. And some, I, I got to know. I'm going to lose you here in a second. I just have one more question, which is, where do you want to see Jadis go this season? Like, where would you like to see her go in terms of power play in the show? I'd like to see her expose more of who she is, so that you know the audience can uh, can get to know her a little bit better. Um, and I'd like to see her succeed. You know. I'd like to see her succeed because I think that she, she and her people have something good going, and, and I'd like to see that continue. Nice. Well, Pollyanna, thank you so much. This has been a joy to talk to you, and I can't oh, wait thank to you. see you get thank your God. show back up on the show. I love the first episode of this season. It was, it was phenomenally shot and crazy. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, so I, but you weren't there, so we need you back. <laughs> I know, I know. You might have to, you might have to wait a little bit, but um, trust me, you'll know when I'm there. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much.